Steelers will finish third in the... Wait, what? No, the Steelers will finish dead last in the AFC North Division. They'll be lucky to hit 500. And this is just a small, potentially representative sampling of what's available right now in NFL predictions across the internet. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. The Steelers and the NFL's schedule will be released tonight at 8 p.m. We already know who the Steelers will be facing and where. What we don't know is when. And I'm not one of those people who gets all moved in one direction or the other by the order in which you face teams. If you think about it, you're going to have to play all 17 games at some point, right? There is a mental component, sure, to having a slow start uh, or a good start. So you're a little bit wary whenever you see, like let's say, for example, two of the Steelers' road opponents for the coming season are the Chiefs and the Packers. So if the Steelers have to open up at Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers, presuming he's still there, or at Kansas City against Patrick Mahomes, and you're doing that with a defense that's been hurt by some losses and won't have Steven Nelson in the secondary, you're going to have some concerns. But beyond that, the 17 games that you're going to play are the 17 games that you're going to play. So while I appreciate and actually enjoy the fanfare and the fun that goes along with the release of the schedule now, I I don't ever consider it to be that big of a deal. I think even less of preseason predictions that are made as far back as January. I found some that went back to January. And I was doing this just to amuse myself. But the consensus is, the consensus is that the Ravens and the Browns will be the top two teams in the AFC North. And I'm not sure I understand really either one of them as being that kind of locked in. Starting with the Ravens, yeah, they're always up there. So respect to John Harbaugh and and everybody else who's there who makes sure that Baltimore is competitive no matter what, whether it's injuries, COVID, as we saw last year, losses through free agency. They do find a way to replenish the same way the Steelers do. They do a lot of things the same way the Steelers do, which is why they're both always up there. But I don't look at Baltimore and think, man, there's a team that's really got it all figured out here. Until Lamar Jackson can consistently throw downfield and become more of a threat just from the pocket, not that he hasn't advanced in that regard, he has. But this idea that Baltimore self-styled really upon itself as being this rushing dynamo that can't be stopped, 
That rushing dynamo was stopped as soon as Marshall Yanda retired on his way to Canton. It's not a great football team. The Cleveland one is the one that gets me. The false perceptions around that team and what it has and what it's built and, worst of all, what it's actually achieved are just nuts. And I get it. They have the rabid fan base, no pun intended. They're very vocal. That's to their credit. And they've been garbage for so long that anything that's above the garbage level gets them more headlines than it will most other franchises. But I can't shake the fact that I was in Cleveland for that regular season finale when the Steelers were resting guys. And all I heard up there was that Baker Mayfield was done. They were not going to take his fifth-year option. They had no use for him. They were giving up on him. They finally thought they had a quarterback, and then they didn't. And then what did Baker do? What did Baker do? He beat Mason Rudolph and the Steelers' backups in the regular season finale and then capitalized on Marquise Pouncey snapping the ball over Ben's head and then Ben throwing three interceptions, none of which had anything to do with Baker and very little to do with the Browns' offense. I mean, they ran the ball okay, and he made a couple of big plays, but this wasn't some great vindication. This is a quarterback that two weeks prior to that they all wanted to get rid of, and not without cause. He's not that good. I mean, he's got a swagger to him, but Johnny Football had a swagger to him. Leaving aside the other teams, and completely leaving aside Whichever weirdos anywhere think that the Bengals are going to rise above the level of the Steelers, and I saw those too. The most common one that I saw was that the Steelers are roughly an eight-win team, somewhere between eight and nine. And the logic that was attached to most of that was the obvious. It was the the collapse near the end of last season, the fact that the collapse was connected to Bud Dupree being gone, the fact that Dupree is now gone, and a very general outlook that the Steelers are heading toward a rebuild. I saw that a lot. Well, this team that's heading toward a rebuild has the 39-year-old franchise quarterback, has a Pretty good, I think we all can agree. Not necessarily very good or even great, but a pretty good wide receiving core. Now has one of the most exciting running backs in the NFL the moment he walks on the field in Najee Harris. And on the defensive side of the ball where there's going to be more discussion than anywhere else because of Bud... If you line up your 11 starters for the opener right now, how many of those 11 positions have a star at the position? We all can define star differently. And we also can look at stars from the standpoint of 
name recognition uh, or past achievement, and I'm thinking of Joe Hayden here. Joe Hayden's a star in the NFL, but Joe Hayden isn't now and can't be now what he was, let's say, you know, even a couple of years ago, two, three years ago. Still, he's I would classify him as a star player in the NFL. So let's use the Joe Hayden line of demarcation and say, who are your star players on defense? TJ Watt might be the defensive player of the year. In fact, one of these publications, hilariously enough, that predicted the Steelers to win eight games also had TJ as the defensive player of the year and Najee Harris as the offensive rookie of the year for the AFC. I'm not kidding. Like, these two things are going to happen, but the Steelers are only going to win eight games. Okay? (laughs) Whatever. I'm not the one who wrote that piece. That was Sports Illustrated, incidentally. I now look at this defense, and I see, let's start with TJ, Joe Hayden. We can agree Cam Hayward is that. We can agree that Stephon Tuitt, when he's healthy, as he was last season, is that. I'm up to four. Minka Fitzpatrick is absolutely that. That's five. Devin Bush, as a high first-round pick, undeniably can be that. So now we're talking about more than half of the players who would start on defense are legit star or potential star, immediate potential star, talents. What are we doing here? I mean, the reason I say we is because we're doing a lot of the same thing in Pittsburgh. I hear the same stuff. Oh, they're going to stink. Big setback. Your rebuild. They're rebuilding. How do you rebuild with a 39-year-old franchise quarterback? Who thinks stuff like that, much less puts it into print or says it out loud? Crazy stuff. I'm not. No, if you think I'm building up toward my own prediction or whatever, I'm not. I I think predictions in January, February, March, April, and now May are all weird. Some of these, I'm going to admit, that I read were before the draft, and they were all just, oh, there's no running back, there's no running back. Okay, well, now there's a running back. But even the ones that came after that were all still pretty down. And I'm, I'm not sure that I understand that from the outside, much less from the inside, meaning people who actually follow the Steelers and see them on a regular basis. Yeah, there's going to be some doubt, there's going to be some skepticism because of the way the playoffs have gone in recent years, or in a couple of cases, haven't gone. But I I don't look at this team and think that they're the third or fourth best team in the AFC North. I really don't. I don't don't get that. I'm not sure where it comes from. But I'll tell you what, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun with this. We're going to look at this schedule when it comes out tonight, and we're going to break it down on tomorrow's show start carrying this concept a little further, I promise. When we come back today, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. That's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg Garbage, Kelly and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG 
have been designated as super lawyers, capital S, capital L, for over 15 years. The super lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of attorneys in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. That's some rare air up there. You can learn more about them at lgkg.com or give a call to 888-842-5454 and tell my man Larry Kelly we sent you. Today's question comes from Trinity Ear, who asks, How much leash do the Steelers give David DeCastro? We all hope he regains his form, he's healthy, and a certain intensity returns. Mike Tomlin seems to be very vet-friendly, but if we only get four out of the five guys on the offensive line pulling in what we believe is a new direction and philosophy and the last guy isn't on board, how long does that last? Matt Filer starting the last the playoff game after missing time and being ineffective is what has me concerned. That's that last point is the one that I'm glad you made. Um, but the first point that I'll make to this question is that I'm starting to get a little cringy about some of the DeCastro feedback that I'm getting back. Um, yes, I've been talking for about a month now about concerns about the way DeCastro performed in 2020. And I have broached the unmentionable, or previously unmentionable, concept that Dave wasn't all in. Certainly not in the area of run blocking. We've all seen what Dave looks like when he's all in. He is all pro when he's all in. And on merit. And I'm not sure what we witnessed last year. I'm not sure if it was a resonance of the injuries that hurt him through training camp and then into the start of the regular season, if you'll recall. I'm not sure if he was put off by something. I'm not sure if he was discouraged by the lack of a game plan or the lack of a commitment to the run. And this is one of the five bazillion things that I hated about this pandemic because I couldn't get into the locker room to find out. And getting Dave on a Zoom call once every two months just isn't the same. He's sitting there in a room facing a camera with 12 faces looking at him. You're not going to get much out of the guy there. But in the locker room, especially with the relationship that I formed with Dave, I think things would have been a little bit different and I would have had a better perspective. So I, I've posed questions about Dave. I have not accused him of anything. My subtext to all of this is that I don't know. To answer your question, I happen to agree with you and was really glad that you brought up the Filer example. Because Tomlin did go into that playoff game with Filer the moment Filer was healthy and took Kevin Dotson out, even though Dotson had visibly outperformed him. Well, that's not going to happen in 2021. Not that anyone's been anointed yet, but Dotson's your starting left guard. Uh, he does have a backup. Everybody's got a backup at every position. His, I would think, would be B.J. Finney, meaning that Finney would be the backup at both left guard and center. 
if Kendrick Green can take the center job. But Dotson is going to be the guy. And Chooks is going to be the guy at left tackle. And Zach Banner is going to be the guy at right tackle. And you have Dave. And you can make the argument that Dave at, oh, 60 or 70% of peak Dave is better than anyone who might replace him. But subpar performance, whether it's based on injury or motivation or whatever it happens to be, can become contagious. And you don't want that on your football team. You don't want that on the field in your starting lineup. You don't want that with Ben out there. So it's going to be incumbent on Adrian Clem, first and foremost, the offensive line coach, to be as frank and forthright, not just with his own guys, but also with Tomlin about what he's seeing. Because he's more responsible than any of the individual participants in terms of ensuring that chemistry, that camaraderie that you need. Yeah, it does boil down to the players, and they're the ones who take it on the field. But he's the one that has to administer it if somebody isn't holding their weight. I'd love to be wrong about this. Please tell me I'm wrong. I'm not one of those people that clings to something just because I want to be right and show everybody I was. I'd love to be wrong about this. I'll eat my own words right here. Just roll up the paper figuratively and you can hear me biting into it. I'd love to have found out that Dave had this issue or that issue, but that's not what I've heard. And it's not what I saw. Let's see how they handle it. Really, really good question. I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers, and we will do another one tomorrow, as promised. The schedule and how the schedule impacts the Steelers and getting out of the basement in the AFC North, baby. <laughs> downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.